0: This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. In 2005, I took a job at WBEZ in Chicago, and I was so excited to be moving there. I was excited about the job, of course, but I was also very excited about The Grid. The streets of Chicago and the address numbering system are beautiful. Starting from the 00 access point downtown, the streets conform to a rigid grid pattern where the major streets are exactly one mile apart and have address numbers which are in multiples of 800. You don't really have to be able to picture this, but I know that if you know it, you're nodding your head vigorously. But just know that it's amazing, and I was mesmerized by it. So much so that I made flashcards with Chicago street names on one side and the corresponding address number on the other so that my wife and I could quiz ourselves on the 2,000 mile road trip from San Francisco to Chicago. Yes, I was always like this. Division is 1200 north. Armitage is 2000 north and therefore one mile north of Division. After living in the jumble of San Francisco streets for years, the thought of moving to a place where people planned the city to help people know where they were and where they were going, soothed my lizard brain and gave me peace. As humans have developed cities and built environments, we have also needed to develop ways to find our way through them signage goes back at least as far as the roman empire they constructed milestones along their roadways
1: which is to say if you're relying on anything besides natural features to help you find your way around you are relying on things made by people whose job it is is to help us figure out how to get from all of our respective point a's to our point b's
0: our producer sam greenspan would like me to tell you that he has a fantastic sense of direction
1: i really do Sure, I get lost sometimes, I'll admit it. It's the worst. I get so mad at myself when it happens. But now, my life is completely different ever since I started thinking about what it means that wayfinding is a thing.
0: Wayfinding, in this sense, is a branch of environmental graphic design concerned with helping people find their way.
1: I love knowing this. Because now, when I get lost in a hospital or in a complicated freeway interchange or at an airport...
2: I have someone to blame. Yeah, that's one way to look at it, but a lot of times it has nothing to do with the signage. User error does apply sometimes. Fair enough. Let me introduce you to Jim Harding. Well, My name is Jim Harding. I'm an environmental graphic designer. Basically, I tell people
0: where to go. There's an environmental graphic designer or wayfinder or maybe just a kid with a magic marker behind every sign. Turn here to merge onto the 101. Concourse C is this way. Bathrooms straight ahead.
1: But there is a lot lot more to
2: wayfinding than just signage. Signage is probably the least effective tool of wayfinding. Good architecture is one of the best. It's not that Jim hates signs.
0: Rather, the best forms of wayfinding are, shall we say, invisible. They're baked into the built environment.
3: I first heard about Jim Harding through a writer named David Zweig. I'm David Zweig. I'm a writer. My book is called Invisibles, The Power of Anonymous Work in an Age of Relentless self promotion
1: David Zweig's book is a series of portraits of people whom he refers to as invisibles.
3: Invisibles are people who are highly skilled professionals, people who are really important to whatever enterprise or endeavor that they're a part of, that their work really has a big effect on the overall outcome, but yet who are largely unknown or never thought of by the public or the end user.
1: Jim Harding, director of environmental graphics for Gresham Smith & Partners, is
3: one such invisible. Jim Harding is one of the best in the business. Jim worked on the new International
0: Terminal at Hartsfield Jackson International Airport in Atlanta, Georgia, the world's busiest. 100 million passengers move through it every year, all of them needing to know where to go.
2: Sightlines are so important, because if you can see your destination, you don't have to rely on signs. I met Jim at the Atlanta airport, and he walked me through some of
1: the cutting edge wayfinding techniques that he employed at the new International Terminal. Like right when you walk in from curbside, the physical space tells you everything you need to know about how to move through it, without you even realizing it. Let's start at the first thing you want when you enter the airport, the ticket counter.
2: They're not lined up on on a 90 degree axis, they're angled, okay?
1: A lot of times, the ticket counter just meets you head-on when you walk in, and then you're left to wonder, okay, do I go left or right? Where's the sign for my gate? But these angled ticket counters subtly push you in the right direction.
2: That angle steers you down and around the ticket counter and heading toward the security checkpoint.
1: As the counter is pushing you, you're also getting pulled by this giant three-story glass window that looks out onto the tarmac.
2: You see planes, you see the apron, the jetway, where the planes are parking. And so intuitively, you're drawn to your plane, because that's what you want to go. You want to get on that plane, right? And there are less obvious cues, too, like the tile pattern in the floor. Absolutely. Well, you see the grid, instead of being on a 90-degree axis, it's on a 45. And these tiles
1: going off at a 45-degree angle, they just beckon you
0: to follow them. And so if you do that, you inevitably head towards security.
1: But there's even more going on in the floor than that. And here's where this gets a little bananas.
2: you turn around and look back here, Sam, you see where the black starts at the door from yeah. the curbside.
1: There's another set of tiles inside the dominant grid pattern that I didn't even notice at first. It starts black, and then it's joined by a set of yellow, goldish tiles that kind of cleaves out this corridor of negative space, which cuts straight through the hall, going directly
2: to security. So, you know, if I already have my ticket, I'm not checking any bags. I don't need to, you know check in on the, t- on the counter. I just follow the yellow brick road, so to speak. Follow the yellow
1: brick road. That's amazing. That's exactly what it is, the yellow brick road. <laughs> That's exactly what this is. The
2: little wow. light bulb. Yeah. It's clicking on Yeah, It's pretty cool.
1: And all of this, Jim says, is 100%
2: intentional. Absolutely. Our interior designers went through a number of flooring pattern design schemes until we arrived at this one. On the other side of security, we enter what Jim
1: Harding calls the transition hall. Here's where a traveler has some decisions to make, whether to find a gate here or whether to get to another concourse, you take a subway called the plane train for that, or whether to head to baggage claim. This is the part where passengers are going to be asking themselves, Where am I? Where am I going? How do I know the best way to get there? Jim says that in these places where there are decisions to be made, this is where wayfinding is needed the most.
2: Yeah, the visual wayfinding, which is the signage. You know, you can see it, you can read it, you can interpret it, find your way around.
1: There's also an information desk and a newfangled interactive display. I walk with Jim towards the gates. Here's F7, F9. So it looks like the uh, odds are on the left. I can Very see good.
2: It. All right. <laughs> you're, you're into the wayfinding scene there.
1: This concourse is pretty streamlined, elegant even. But at older, less well-designed concourses, which are definitely present at some other parts of the ATL airport, this is where you'd find yourself in a visual morass.
0: You've seen this before. Neon signs and brightly colored displays, all trying to get you to buy magazines or neck pillows or hot dogs.
2: You have advertising, you have concessions, marketing, uh, all those visual elements compete with the primary message of just how to navigate the airport.
1: And so the key here is to make the signage stand out by being dull and drab and plain.
2: Yeah, it's very neutral. It's a neutral palette, gray and white, basically. So you can spot the signs just by
1: tuning out all the glitz. Now, even though this new international terminal is fairly minimal, there are still people trying to sell you stuff. Just beyond the transition hall towards the gates, there's this two-level commerce area. There's shopping at ground level, and then up an escalator are some food options. And, of course, it's all angled perfectly, so you have a direct line of sight into all of the shops as you're walking by. Is that an intentional design, to have the shopping down below and the food up above? Yes. Why is that?
2: Well, more curb appeal for your retail tenants. Uh, people, are, if they're hungry, they're going to go find the food wherever it is, right? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Airports, they, they struggle to generate revenue. Really? It, it, yeah. And so anything they can do to help increase non-aeronautical revenue, things that are not generated by a plane or an airline. So improving their concessions and retail, you know, they get a percentage of all those sales. And that's when I realize
1: why there are people like Jim Harding who are paid to do this work. It's not just that airports want us to have a pleasant experience. It's because there's money on the table. Think about it. Say you're trying to make a connecting flight, you don't have a lot of time, you don't really know where you're going.
2: If I'm stressed and I don't think I'm going to catch my flight, am I going to take time to open my wallet? Heck no. But if I'm cool, calm, collected, I find my gate, I know where I'm going, I'm more likely to stop and buy whatever. So, you know, that's where wayfinding has a real uh, uh, financial impact, you know, to an airport's bottom line.
1: And so it turns out, Wayfinding isn't just about helping you figure out how to get where you want to go. It's about steering the masses anywhere that companies hiring the wayfinders want the masses to be steered. And what's more, if your consumer choices aren't going to make money for the powers that be inside of a closed system like an airport, don't plan on them making it easy for you. David Zweig, the
3: writer who introduced me to Jim Harding, he noticed this kind of thing, too. Their job isn't always about creating the best system for us, the traveler. (laughs) Sometimes it's who's paying their bills. When I flew to Florida with my family, we flew into Fort Lauderdale and we foolishly chose an off-site car rental company.
0: Oh, rookies. Yeah, big mistake.
3: We thought like, oh, off-site, it's like you take a shuttle bus, you're there in two minutes. Well, what happened is when you arrive there, there's huge signs for Hertz and Avis and all the companies who are there. If you're trying to find the off-site car rental companies, good luck. And then if you try doing that with two little kids in tow, woof
1: David mentioned this to Jim Harding.
3: and I said, Jim, this seems like a wayfinding failure. And he said, well, the airport is far more interested in helping out the people who are paying them, who have on-site facilities. They have no incentive to have you leave the airport to go to someone else. They right.
2: generate no revenue. Right. Yeah, so they're, you know, it's almost like second-class citizen. Yeah.
1: That's not to say, though, that there's necessarily a dichotomy between capitalism and good user experience.
2: Why do we do what we do for a living as Wayfinders? And I think it is to, you know, in our own little way, to improve the overall quality of life, that, that, that customer experience, passenger experience. And so you work on a project like the International Terminal here in Atlanta. You work, we work on it for years. And after all that time, it's built. And you get to walk through it. And you see it like we are today. You see people using the space, understanding the space. They aren't stressed or freaking out about missing their flight. And it's like, okay, wow, you know, it all works. We did a good job. And uh, you just come away with a nice sense of satisfaction. Welcome aboard
3: the plane train. Please hold on. This train is departing.
0: In theory, wayfinding should work whether you're literate in it or not. But learning to see the subtle wayfinding cues in the built landscape can help you understand how you make your decisions. Or it can make you question if you're the one even making your own decisions at all.
1: After I parted ways with Jim Harding, I passed a food court. And I noticed, right outside, in the floor, were these big black curvy tiles. And they actually seemed to be steering people towards the concessions. So, you know... Next time you find yourself at an airport food court eating a Cinnabon that you didn't even want, check out the signage, the shape of the tiling, the height of the ceiling, the quality of the light. It may just be that you have an environmental graphic designer to blame.
0: But you know, user error does apply. 99% Invisible was produced this week by Sam Greenspan with Katie Mingle, Avery Truffleman, and me, Roman Mars. We are a project of 91.7 Local Public Radio KALW in San Francisco and produced out of the offices of ArcSign, our favorite architecture firm in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. We are collecting wayfinding photos for our Now You See It project. Bad wayfinding, good wayfinding, we want to see it all. You can submit those on Instagram, Flickr, or email. Find out more details on our website, that's 99pi.org. The photos that you guys submitted for the Fire Escapes call out were amazing. So we're just gonna keep on going with this and then see where this whole project leads us. Ninety nine percent Invisible is made possible by our clear headed and sure footed listeners, and by hover, the best way to buy and manage domain names. So I've not been sleeping very well lately, and my mind's been mulling over this idea that I have for a new radio show. It, it would be a spinoff. I would never willingly stop doing ninety nine percent invisible, so don't don't fret. So I've been trying out different names for this new show on Hover.com and the name I'm considering is pretty generic and already taken. So Hover generates over 100 alternate possibilities and I ended up buying one. And, And this is good news because I can buy the domain and I will have scratched some itch to act on this idea that I have, but I don't actually have to do it because it's a terrible idea for me to do any more work barely take days off as it is so if you're a doer a maker or an unstoppable idea generator hover.com is the place for you to place a bet on your future self being more productive than your current self use the offer code wayfinding all one word wayfinding and i'll save you 10% at checkout a big reason this show exists is because of tiny letter email for people with something to say my boy carver always has something to say what do you gotta say carver
3: If you get lost, you could use a compass, but I prefer an aliciometer. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the book, of the golden compass, the ammo spyglass, and the subtle knife.
0: Tinyletter.com. It's free, easy, minimal, and powerful. The simplest way to send an email newsletter from the great people behind MailChimp. We are a founding member of Radiotopia from PRX, and our brothers from other mothers at Love & Radio have a great one this week. Charles Farrell knew all the angles. He could have been a world-class pianist, but instead, he fell in love with low-life culture, street hustling, boxing, and fixing fights for the mob. You go into a gym where there's a trainer or a manager you know pretty well. You say, I've got my fighter here, and I'm looking to get him some work. You say... He could use a few good rounds. The guy on the other side will traditionally say something like, I have this other guy. He's a good fighter, which means he can make it look good. And you've just fixed the fight. That's on the new Love and Radio. Not to be missed, but that's always the case in Radiotopia. If you'd like to sponsor 99% Invisible or any of the shows in Radiotopia, email sponsor at radiotopia.fm. You could only listen to these episodes of 99% Invisible and be just fine. But if you want to be a 12th level 99PI paladin, you should follow us on Twitter. We're at Roman Mars, Sam Listens, Katie Mingle, and Truffleman. Live show and office hours announcements can be found most reliably on Facebook. We're also all over Tumblr, Instagram, Flickr, SoundCloud, and Spotify too. And you're always welcome at our home on the web at 99PI.org.
3: I'm buying a Cinnabon at the airport that I arrived at.
0: You understand why that's extra disgusting, right? Radiotopia.